Amen, amen, amen. One of the most relaxing things for me is cooking. I, I, I love to cook. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I love to cook. Um, I try to do it as often as I can. My favorite way to cook food is grilling, though. I love to grill. I don't know what it is about, you know, uh, uh, grilling, but it infuses things with flavors that you can't do with other types of cooking. And one of the things that I like to cook, that, that, that I think I do an okay job at, is cooking salmon. I don't know y'all had E. Mason salmon yet. Amen. Amen. But one of the things I like about cooking salmon is I always, I love salmon because it's, it's a fleshy fish, but it's a fish that is able to receive uh, 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 flavors differently than most other meats. Chicken, steak, it takes a long time to really get them infused with flavor unless you caramelize it. I'm taking y'all to food TV right now. No, y'all say caramelize, put caramel on it? No, it's just a crust, right? And so, but I, I like, one of the things I like to do is I like to cedar plank my salmon. So I like to take a piece of cedar and, and, and soak it in some water for a long period of time, then lay it on the grill till it starts crackling. Then the, then, the, then the salmon that I've been, you know what I'm saying, marinating, I lay it on the grill and, and I close it and let the smoke just, just, just surround the salmon. Somebody going to hear me in a second. But see, you can't put the salmon on the grill until you let the cedar plank begin to crackle with smoke. Because when you soak the cedar plank in the water and let it crackle with smoke, the heat from the grill heats up the plank, causing the smoke to permeate everywhere. So whatever you put on the grill is filled with the flavor of the, of the cedar plank. Other, and the only reason the cedar plank is able to give forth such an aroma and such a flavor is because it's soaked. And, and, and today, I want to I talk to you about the idea of that because many believers don't know how to soak. The reason why we don't give off any aroma to anybody, well, a good one, is, is because we don't soak. We don't soak in the right places with the right people, and with the right stuff. And, 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 and so just like that cedar plank soaks and is heated up to give off an aroma, a, a flagrant aroma to infuse everything around it with its flavor, God has put every believer on planet Earth to soak in the presence of Jesus Christ through his means of grace to absorb everything they can from Jesus and then be put in the heat of life circumstance so that the aroma that you got from Jesus gets to other people. And so, and so today, I, I want to begin a series on being hot for Jesus. That's, that's the name of the series, Hot for Jesus. Say hot for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot for Jesus. Hot for Jesus. Key practices of a growing Christian. We're going to get into a series. We're beginning a series on really practicing the spiritual disciplines, spiritual life, and spiritual formation. It's not enough to just have the information of the word of God with no skill at utilizing it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do, I don't know, how, maybe eight, ten weeks um, of work and just walking through everything from patience, 
Amen. Do you know patience is a discipline? To sit down somewhere is a discipline. To shut your mouth is a discipline. Amen. Lights and walls. And so, um, and then we're going to talk about prayer. How to pray. This how to. I know we know how to open our mouths. You know, but we're going to talk about the anatomy of prayer. We're going to talk about Bible study. How to study your Bible. Then in the middle of all of this series, I'm going to do a class on Bible study methods and how to spend time with God so you get even more practical stuff on it through our blueprint. We're going to go through all of that contentment or hope. We're going to go through what faith, how to exercise it rightly, not wrongly. And so we're going to go through a series that's going to help us. We just got through a series that dealt with bitterness and seeing our need to look at ourselves. And now that God is working us through a lot of that. Now it's time for us to develop the skills and abilities to grow from spiritual to spiritual, from spiritual to spiritual. That's very, very important. And the goal of God is that you and I, based on Romans chapter 8, verse 29, is to be conformed to Jesus Christ's image. In other words, God likes it when people jock Jesus. In other words, get their P's and Q's from him. Um, Most people don't like copycats or biters. The father likes copycats and biters that bite from his son. So whenever whenever you cop stuff from Jesus, it excites the father because it's a submissiveness to his passions and his goals. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. Let's say that together. Work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. Notice that the Bible doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out. In other words, working out means you already have salvation. Now you need to work out what was put in you. And we're going to talk about in this series how to do that. And one of the things I think as we go into this series by way of introduction, the Christians need to be careful of is working to get blessed by God. See, we're supposed to work for blessing. We're not supposed to work for blessing. We are blessed to work. Somebody going to catch that later. Let me, let me say that again. You're not working for a blessing. You are already blessed in order that you may work. Because working to get a blessing means you earn it. And there is nothing in the Christian life that you earn. Let it soak. Selah. Some of us need to learn that practically because some of us think our prayer life causes God to like us and do stuff for us. Some of us think that our time in the word with God makes us more likable to God when Christ died on the cross and has already made you likable. So when so we're going to talk about not how to look, not how to get in better standing with God. If you know Christ as savior, you are already in good standing with God. Somebody need to catch that in their soul right now. You're all, if, you've, uh, if you've repented of your sin to, and, 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 and confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you're sa- so, so, so you're already there, but now you need to recognize 
that you don't earn anything in your relationship with God. However, through faith in Christ, we are blessed to do what he has called us to do, not, not to earn what, we've got, what we're supposed to get, but to be able to steward what he gives us. And so we're going to talk today. I'm going to just give an overview of the idea of hot for Jesus. And one of my favorite passages that I love to commit to memory is Psalm 1. We're going to go through Psalm 1. We want to spend a little bit of time in the Psalms during this series. It's interesting in the Psalms, the rest of the Bible speaks to the believer. But the Psalms are unique. The Psalms are unique. The Psalms don't speak to, the, to you. They don't speak to you. And some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. The Psalms don't speak to you. They speak for you. I don't know if you've ever been going through something real, real difficult. And just an epistle just wasn't going to work. It was just going to light you up. You read narratives and stuff and you just feel them all the way down. Then all of a sudden you just, you just do the lottery with the Bible. You know what I'm saying? You just do Bible lottery. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Bible lottery is just flipping the pages and, ah, you know, right there. You know what I'm saying? Powerball in the Bible. Amen. That's sanctified lottery. And you end up, and you end up in the Psalms, right? And then you hear the Psalm that's like, oh, my God. You're like, that's where I am right there. Let me stop right there and meditate. Oh, my God. That minister to my soul right there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? God. You feel far from me. Dang, that's how I feel. You know what I'm saying? The Psalms is that part of the Bible where God uses the sons of Korah. He uses David and many others to identify with the challenges of the believer who is on a pilgrimage with God to know what the ups and downs are like, yet still in hot pursuit of them. See, some of y'all ain't in hot pursuit no more. Some of y'all are comfortable in your spiritual life. You got a spiritual flat tire and God, listen, is wanting you to get to a place in your walk with whether hell or high water, you are going to pursue him even though some things that he allows to happen to you is confusing. You ever been confused by what God lets slip through his hands? And so, but, but, but that isn't a license to cut a nitwit. That means cut a, act a fool, I'm sorry. And so, and so the psalmist, he begins, even by compilation, it's beautiful that God even superintended the compilation process. That, that, that the psalmist, the psalm one is put at the beginning of the first book of the psalms to give you an overview of what a healthy spiritual life looks like. And so let's read together Psalm 1. We'll start at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams or rivers of water and yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. 
In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chafe that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so as we dive into this series, we see that the psalmist is writing about spiritual vitality. Say spiritual vitality. Every Christian needs to know the pictorial of what spiritual vitality is like. Spiritual vitality is very important to your development, to your growth, and to your focus. If you're not in a spiritually vital state, you make very bad decisions. You do silly things because you're not, it's not that your, your relationship is disconnected from God, but your communion or your fellowship with God is faulty. Therefore, it's like having spiritual earwax that you can't hear from the living God. And so the psalmist walks us through the identity of two communities, the community of the righteous and the community of the fool. Remember, we talked about that in Proverbs, the community of the righteous and the community of the fool. He says, blessed is the man. Stop. Beautiful right there. That word for blessed is not the usual word for blessed or blessed. Usually the word for bless or blessed is the word Barack, like, you know, the president, right? It's, it's, it's usually the word Barack, but usually Barack, the Hebrew word for bless, not the president, is God proclaiming or announcing blessing on someone or people giving worship and praise to God. Well, I want you to wipe that one out. That's not the word being used here. The word being used is a very unique word um, for blessed. The Hebrew word for blessed here is ashar, and, and, and it means, it, it's not merely, it, it's a state. It's a state. Stay here with me. It's a state that's not pronounced but it's a state that a person is developed in. In other words, what, what, what God is saying is, is blessed. Some translations may say happy. Now, I know you've heard it preached that God wants us to have joy, not to be happy. That's, that's partially true, but that's not a full scope of an understanding of happiness. The word here for asar means to have a sense of of, of understanding of the state that you're in, 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 in a heightened state of happiness and joy, implied, uh, uh, implying very favorable circumstances and even enjoyment. Life that is filled with meaning and purpose. For, for the person that knows God, you have purpose already. Let me say that again. You have purpose already. Many of you are trying to find your purpose rather than connecting with the purpose that God has already gave you. But the purpose is not necessarily connected to something on the outside of you, but something that's on the inside of you. And so when God talks about blessed or being blessed, you see Jesus in the Beatitudes saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are, blessed. And he, he's going through talking about a state of people who are content with who they are. People that are content and have a sense of the meaning. That's what it means to be happy. I remember my, my wife and I, when we got married, our first apartment. It was basically, it was a box, and then they just kind of cut it off. You know what I'm saying? And um, our kitchen, we walked through our kitchen like this. We gave each other some sugar over the shoulder. You know what I'm saying? The kitchen was small. The bathroom was small. The bedroom was small. They just should have made it like just opened everything up and just closed off the bathroom and closets. Because we were literally in a box. Um, our rent was real, real, real cheap. Those were, those were some good days financially in relation to the lowerness of the, you know what I'm saying, the love. But this thing is off the chain now. But, but, it's, but it's interesting that, because I was scared, you know, my wife, you know, my father-in-law, they got, you know, a nice crib, you know, so I'm, ma she married me, you know what I'm saying, and getting up in like, it ain't even 500 square feet, the joint was like 250, and some change, you know what I'm saying, some change, and, 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 and man, I was blown away, like now that I look back, I'm blown away by the fact that because there was a sense of meaning in why we came together and who brought us together. Even though we lived in a box, the box didn't define us. See, 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 when you're, and, and we had two old cars, Hoopty International, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you had a Hoopty before. Many of you maybe got one. And you praying to your destination. If you ain't prayed from point A to point B, then you ain't had a hoopty yet. And, you know, you roll down the window, no AC, you know what I'm saying, praying that God would lick the wind and send air or something in, you know what I'm saying. You roll it, I mean, you sit in the car, it's vinyl seats, burning your thigh up, you know what I'm saying. I mean, in a hoopty, then it cracks up and scratch you. That's a hoopty, you know what I'm saying. Um, when you turn on the radio, the whole car rattles. That's a hoopty. Um, you got to keep, you got to carry a bottle of water mixed with antifreeze in the trunk. That's a hoopty. But the issue is just because you drive a hoopty doesn't mean your soul has to be one. Because most of us allow what we have on earth and who we have on earth to define what type of state that we're going to be in. Our attitude changes based on how the day is going, the stuff we don't have. We meditating on food. In other words, we can never experience the life of meaning to understand why God put me here and connecting to him no matter what it looks like because we're so concerned with what it looks like. So blessed means that a person has a sense that they're in the right. You ever been walking with God and you know that you're at the right place at the right time? You ever been there and you know, you know that this ain't the best place you've been? Like, especially if you live in Philly. Now, I ain't dog in Philly. I love Philly. I can talk about it, but you can't. You know what I'm saying? But it's rugged in Philly. Now, you got to be caught. You can't, people don't just say, I'm a man. I'm going to Philly. Some of y'all from Camden can say amen too. I ain't going to look at the Camden people right now. But there ain't nobody moving to Camden either. Amen. 
If you move to Philly or Camden, it's because you got to move there, all right? But the issue with a person that is walking in the state of blessedness, that their meaning always transcends where they are. But if you're not walking in the spirit, I'm not talking about spooky walking in the spirit. Woo! You know what I'm saying? The Lord. I'm not talking about some old zombie walking in the spirit. Laying out somebody throwing a coat over you. Not that. Some stuff that's immeasurable by the Bible. I'm not talking about that. But when you're not walking in the spirit, you get disconnected and begin to look at life frustrated. And if you got stuff, let's say you got a little something, something, then you begin to trust in what you have versus the trusting in the one who has you. See, when you're in a state of blessing, that's why Paul says, and we're going to talk about that when we get to contentment in this series, because we're going to talk about contentment, learning to abound and learning to abase. You got to, you got, in other words, Paul is saying, I'm not letting my circumstance change my value. Especially ladies, when your hair not done. Let's move to the next verse. I looked around real quick and I didn't see a good look out there. Bless his name. Help me, Holy Spirit. So, so the person that he is going to describe in this psalm, the person that he's going to describe in this psalm, he is describing a person that is content and enjoying the fruits of being in a relationship with God and what it looks like to practice that relationship. And so he goes forth and he talks about this person pursues comprehensive health or this person pursues a healthy environment, a healthy environment. Now, 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 look at what he does here. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly, <coughs> nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That's dope. Notice in the text that, that there's a progression that's going on. This person first was walking. The person goes from walking to standing and then goes from standing to chilling, sitting. See, whenever you are walking with God and you're walking in spiritual vitality, one of the things that you're very careful of is what type of healthy things that you are around. Where health, and when I say health, I'm talking about the flow of things that helps you to stay and maximize your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can maximize what it looks like to show off his glory. But see, when you're not walking spirit in spiritual vitality, you know what I'm saying? Um, you, 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 will, you, will, you will watch sneak previews that you shouldn't have been watching. Let, let, let me see if I can make that plain. Who got Facebook? Put your hands out. Amen. Now, Facebook is fun. It's interesting, right? Everybody talking about today, I'm, people just be saying they doing all, I'll just, I'm fixing my clock. I'm 
running an errand. I, who cares? Like, you know what I'm saying? So Twitter, you know, whatever you want, right? But what's interesting is, you know how we do. Man, I'm on Facebook. I wonder if I can see some of my old friends. I wonder how my ex-girlfriend from back in high school is doing. <laughs> wonder if she knows Jesus. Wonder if God is in her life. Whoa, there she, whoa, there, whoa, there she is. Click on the pictures, see if they got pics. See if they marry you, check their status if they married. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't try to, y'all know, that's why you're quiet right now. And what will happen is, is you will fool yourself in many times in your life that you think you can handle things that you really can't handle. Now, I'm not saying don't spend time with unbelievers so you can share the God. That's what I'm talking about. But he's talking about doing life with them. In, 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 other words, in other words, you spend your time around so many people that, and doing life with them, doing koinonia with them. In other words, koinonia is sharing life with a person spiritually. When you, when you try to do that, which since someone who doesn't know Jesus is not spiritual, but they are fleshly. Therefore, there's only one level of life that you can connect with them on. You know what I'm saying? And when you connect with them, and what will happen is, is as you spend time around that, you begin to dematerialize and you get broken down because you get to tolerate and be in the environment of more sin than you're normally used to. And so first you were walking. You know, you walk past. You know, you walk past, plow. You walk past. What's up? You just keep walking past. Walking past. Now, now usually when you walk past, you give yourself more credit for being able to avoid certain things that you know you can't really avoid. That's why so many of us, so many men and even now women are porn addicts. Oh, it got quiet in here. Because many of us think we can handle more than we can handle. And so, and so God is calling us to be careful of the environment spiritually that we create in our lives because what it will do is it will begin to desensitize us in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And things that you thought were okay. I'm not trying to preach a, 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 a human-made righteousness. I'm talking about um, blessed to work. That means that you need to shut certain things down. There's certain things that you need to not trust yourself with. As a matter of fact, there's some places that you may not need to, that you may not need to trust yourself with. I remember when I took my first pastorate. And this guy said, yeah, man, you know, it was, it was, some, it was uh, spring break. And he's talking about, yeah, man, we're going to go down to the beach in tracks. Said tracks with who? He's talking about, yeah, we're going to get on the beach and share tracks. I said, I'm not going. He said, oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. You don't want to do evangelism. I said, ah, see, see, I, I can't do that. He, he's like, why you can't do that? I said, I know me. I'm not a fool. Because if I go down there, I'm going to be checking everything out. I'm going to be exegeting the culture of the beach. Now, some of y'all laughing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I didn't trust myself with myself. And see, some of y'all got too much trust in yourself. 
See, if I went down to the beach, saw bikinis, all types of, see, I'd have been wrecked. Months. Months of captivity. I'd have tore up. Tore up. Tore up. I, 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 I'm just telling you right now, I wouldn't have been down there, hi, how you doing? And I wouldn't have been trying to chop it up with the dudes. I'm talking about, God is really giving me a connection to a young lady right here to talk to her. You know what I'm saying? How you know? How you doing? Jesus is the, you know, don't, see, I don't fool myself. See, I don't fool myself. Tell me, I'm sharing the gospel with her. No, I'm not. I want to share something else with her. Amen. Now I'm just being real because some of y'all won't. See, you ain't real enough to call yourself out. That's what makes you a spiritual punk when you don't call yourself out. You got to call yourself out. They had the Greek picnic here, you know, and I was, I was like, man, I, go, I said, nah, I can't go down there. Can't go down there and reconnect with the bras because it's going to be rugged down that joint. So I said, I can't go. Because that, I, I, but, but that doesn't mean I don't minister to them. That just means I can't go where the festivities are so anti-Christ practically that if I went in the environment, Jesus is but a whisper, not a yell. Somebody going to get that later. And, and, and when Jesus can't, infuse or redeem that environment is dangerous for you to go in it because if Jesus becomes a whisper then their yell begins to do bass volume on your soul ears and you will begin to shut it down and say some things are okay that you would normally say is okay so you got to be careful family he says because you'll go from walking and you'll go from walking well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. You know, I might as well build a relationship. You know what I'm saying? So he goes to sitting, standing, and then he, he's standing, hollering, and then he goes to sitting. In other words, levels of comfort changed because spiritual vitality was desensitized. And every Christian, in order to grow, must develop for themselves a healthy environment. Healthy environment is more than just having running water and electricity. You should have those, amen, running sewage, all of that. But you need to also have a healthy spiritual environment of people that you're connecting with. And because many of us isolate ourselves from the places where God has most blessed for us, and I'm not talking about spending time around Christians, Christian cafes, Christian books, Christian TV, Christian, I'm not talking about Christianizing your life with cultural Christianity. That's not what I'm talking about because that doesn't work either. <laughs> Reading the latest books don't help. And, and, and so it's very important to make sure that God gives you the grace to develop a healthy environment. He says, and this is who is in that environment. This is who is in that environment. He says, because this is what happens. You submit to the account. He said, in the, he said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel means to do community, a place where values are shaped. Get life direction, getting into info that becomes the format for practice. You know what I'm saying? I, I, um, you know, y'all know I like to peer into different things. They got this show now, Tina and Tanya. You know what I'm saying? Um, some of y'all are just going to go over your head right now, but. But, but, it, but it's interesting, you know, that they're putting certain types of examples on television for this generation to gain influence from into their lives. You know, and, and they say, me going to turn the time and they, you know, do their little thing and got their little, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 they're, and they're laying out 
formats for life. In other words, what relationships should be like. In other words, it's cool to have multiple children as long as you're monogamous with that one person. And you're not married. But they being positive, positive is not gospel. Because what's positive to man is negative to God. Somebody ought to hear me. And, and, and so what we need to begin to do is be careful of who's in our ears. Who do you call when you go through a struggle? Uh, 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 do they have the God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things? Or do you rush to the environment that gives you the answer that your flesh wanted in the first place? But, but what happens is you hear the counsel at first. Then it says, who stands in the way of sinners. Way, there is a way that seems what? Right to man. Way here is the word throughout the, throughout the poetic books that points to the, a direction in life or a road, a particular direction. And in the mind of God, there are only two ways. There's the way that's broad and then there's the narrow way. But we know that the way isn't merely a place, but way for the Christian is a person. Because what did Jesus say? He said, I am the, I am the, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no man what? Except by who? Right. So if Jesus is the road and Jesus is the way, that means that he needs to be shaping our direction. But what happens is, <clears throat> is when you walk with the wicked, and, 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 and when, when you get in the counseling of the wicked, and, and when you stand in the way of sinners, and then you sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, the seat, this is interesting. Seat here is something larger than actually a chair. <clears throat> seat here points to being in the broader house. It, it points to the idea of being in a house. Doing life with, enjoying with. Now, most of us look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, chapter 4, verses um, 14 through 17, where it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, most of us look at that verse and we apply that to dating. Oh, he ain't saved, you shouldn't date him. Or, or marriage or whatever. That text really ain't talking about that. It can apply to that. It talks about being unequally yoked. Jesus says, um, my what? is easy, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, the yoke that the Christian takes on is not egg yoke. It's, it's talking about yokes of, a, of an oxen. And when you take Christ's yoke upon yourself, what you're doing is you're walking as a pilgrim and a learner behind the older ox Jesus as you learn how to walk through life. So that means your head is pointed forward, and, and you watch Jesus' hips. Jesus walking. You know, Jesus. if Jesus is doing like this, you better be doing like this. If Jesus, you know, do like that, you better stand up and go like that. If Jesus go like this, you better do like that. I'm just telling you, if his yoke is easy, your you mimic him. But see, if you're unequally yoked, in other words, if you've taken Christ's yoke upon you, and then you're trying to get under the yoke with other people who are not like him, then what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to get spiritually choked. Because now you're trying to do life with them and his yoke is easy, 
But now you've removed the yoke of Christ and put on an old yoke again. And you're trying to plow in a field that God doesn't want you to be in no more. And so when we talk about this whole idea of being blessed, one of the things we have to begin to deal with is, is our sense of our understanding of our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I'm not going to go through all of those people groups, but it's interesting to look at the scoffers because the scoffers, it's interesting that that group is put last because a scoffer is a person that absolutely abhors the Lord. The word literally means boastful and prideful about your hatred towards righteousness. So when you begin to hang out with people that don't even like Jesus, I'm talking about do life. I'm not someone minister to do life with them. Then what happens is you develop the affections of the people, places, and things that you are around. And so you got to be careful because once your affections change, your practices change. And so he goes from there and he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Then he goes to verse 2. He says, but his delight, his or her delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. Next, next point. This person here is preoccupied with engaging God. Preoccupied with engaging God. This is very important. He says his delight is in the law. Now you got to understand. What he's saying here. I don't know how many of y'all have ever really read the law, the first five books. This dude is saying that a person likes all that's said in the first five books of the Bible. Now, we know that he's talking about that, that it can apply to the entire Bible, but he's specifically talking about the law. Now, what's interesting, the law talks about all types of things. It talks about stoning people. He says he delights in hearing God dealing with sin. He delights... In hearing, because the law is to show what the holiness of God is like and what the holiness of man is not like. And so he says he delights in getting to know who God is. That's why when we sing here at Epiphany Fellowship, our songs point you to God, not merely to what you need in your life. Because many times you spend your time trying to work on your needs, but you don't see the one who gives out the needs and you only treat him like a divine sugar daddy who gives stuff, but you don't really like him. You got your hand out all the time, but not your hands up. And so what needs to happen is, is when you delight in God, your hands are up, not just out. Because if you spend time with daddy, he'll take care of your needs, not your greeds. He says, Delight yourself in the Lord. We're going to get on that next week, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. We'll talk about what that really means. It doesn't mean what we think it's going to mean. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness. Well, heaven ain't righteous. God is righteous. So who we're seeking is the one who's righteous, who's never wrong, who's morally pure, who's holy. So when we seek him, it says all of these things will be added unto you. Why? Because what things are he talking about? Not everything. Food and clothing and shelter. 
So in other words, needs are relationally, uh, things that we need are given out by God based on relationship and fellowship, not bogarting the throne of God and telling them and demanding, God, right now, I demand that you release on me right now all of your blessings. I command the Holy Ghost. I command you now, right now, to, re to release heavenly blessings. God is looking at you like you are nitwit. God, you're going to do it now, 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 now. God, like, wow. Now, I wish I would have done that to my mom and dad. I wish I'd have went to my mom's room beside the bed while they getting me up in the morning. Mama, I'm telling you right now, Daddy, you're going to give it to me now. My parents, I mean, I think a switch would have went off in their brain. You know what I'm saying? They, they would have they probably went, they'd have probably need to be in like a asylum or something the way they'd have, they would have killed me. I mean, my father would have Platted some some trees together, you know what I'm saying? Got barber belts, got lumber. He'd have probably body slam. I mean, suplex, elbow. I mean, I'd have got killed. But we talk demandingly to God in ways we'll never talk to anybody else about because that's a sign that you want His stuff, but you don't want Him. But if your delight is in the law of the Lord and not just his word, but in the person who said the word, it changes everything. And some of us don't like him enough. So it's delight, 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 delight to, to take pleasure. The gospel redeems our affections because now that we have Christ and he has us, He's changed our desire for what good looks like. <laughs> what we used to say good, we say is nasty. But, but because of relationship. <laughs> and now what I used to say is nasty, I say is good because my taste buds have changed. And what my taste buds changed because I had an acquired a taste because I didn't know how bad this stuff was for me. It was a place in Dallas called Sweet Georgia Browns. Now, that sounds like it's going to hurt you. Sweet Georgia Browns. Sweet, kill you. G Georgia, you, that's gully south. Browns. Now, you know anybody last name Brown, they can cook, all right? So Sweet Georgia Brown. Jackson Brown, uh, Jenkins, they can all cook. If you got them, Jones, you know, they can cook. Those, those gully slave names, Amen. That means, you, that means you put your foot in your elbow grease and stuff. And so we would go down there, and they had this broccoli and cheese rice. Woo! And the cheese was this thick on top of it. And you could see the oil around the edges. They had fried chicken. Now, you got to understand, they had smothered chicken. Now, you got to understand, first you deep fry the chicken. Then you take the grease from the chicken and make a gravy. Then put it on top. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I was like, oh my God, we about to eat. We about to get it on. Collard greens with fat back and hog malls in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <coughs> and you eating and your heart is on like in prison lockdown. You know what I'm saying? But when I began to find out as good as those foods are and sound, 
When I began to find out the damage that it could do to me, the taste didn't matter anymore because I knew the damage that it was doing. But, you know, I ain't got as far as my wife on the hummus and all of that. I'm not tofu, general sauce chicken. God bless y'all on that. Tofu, general sauce chicken, string beans, you know, something like that. Amen. You know, I'm eating that. Soy milk, I'll do that. But when I learned that some of the things that tasted good to me did damage to me, but some of the things that I avoided, I needed to get and develop and acquire taste for it because it did good to me. When you're in a relationship with God, you need to endure getting and developing new taste buds. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You got you to develop a desire for righteousness. Righteousness was a nasty word because you were wrong. Holiness, you got to develop a passion for holiness because we were such hellions. You got to understand, you got to develop a passion for his justice because we were so unjust. When you're in a relationship with God and you're devouring him, I'm talking about swallowing everything that he has for you. What happens to you is your taste buds change. And, and, and I don't know if you ever developed a certain diet and went back to taste some of the old stuff. It didn't taste the same because your system can't take it anymore because your system has been working on a whole new way of eating. And so God wants to redevelop our eating habits. He says, you delight in things that other people think is nasty. Delight yourself in the word of God. And he says, he meditates on it day and night. <coughs> that means... You're comprehensively always meditating on God's truth. That means you can't just go through nine chapters in one day. Some of us read too fast. We're going to talk about that when we get into Bible study methods. You just, you just read, read, read. Oh, I read that. I read that. What, what, what about, oh, I read that. Oh, I read that too. You know, I got that, you know, under my belt, plat out. But what happens is you haven't chewed on any of it. To meditate means to chew and to ponder. It means to take time to slowly process what you have taken in. In other words, many of us are gorgeous. We eat like sharks. We just bite and swallow, bite and swallow, bite and swallow. And you, can, and you can't get the maximum amount. My mama used to say, boy, you eat too fast. She said, you need to take time and chew your food. I used to want to get back outside, ride the big wheel, all that. So I got go back outside. But my mom said, you're not going to get everything out of that food that you're supposed to get out of it unless you chew it. And that's what we as believers need to learn how to do, is not try to check off the box. But when you're in a relationship with God, you want to soak up everything you can soak up. And so you take your time. He says, he, the person that is blessed or that's in a state of knowing who they are and content with where they are, meditate on who God is. Chew on them. He says, so he meditates on the law day and night. Instead of having, when, when we have insomnia, what do you think about when you got insomnia? Oh, sometimes where God may be trying to keep you up for a while to get you in prayer with him. Sometimes when you can't sleep, you shouldn't take a Tylenol PM. Sometimes God is saying, I want to talk to you. Talk to me. We, we haven't talked all day. I, I just want to get it in with you. Do you know that God is like that? 
God is like that. God, God wants to know. God wants to be in a relationship with you. You should be like a baby like that, wanting God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yelling for your king. Amen. Is it baby hungry? They got to meditate on something right now. How many of you are desiring it? How many, how many when, when it's time to get some time in with God, how many of you feel like it's a weight? Oh, man, I know I got to do this because my day won't be right. That's, that's not, we're going to have to work through that. That's such a work-based relationship with God. If I spend time, then God will do. That's not a gospel-centered understanding. Uh, it's relational. That means God, you, sometimes you need to get in your time with God and tell him what you're struggling about. And stop trying, God, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you. Sometimes I don't start with, the, with all of that. You know, the God of heaven, you're so gracious and merciful. Sometimes I don't start like that. Sometimes I'm like, God, I'm struggling. And he want to hear that. Oh, God, this is the, I'm having a good time, God. I'm enjoying you, God. Thank you for putting me in this relationship with you where I can just, I got an open door. I'm loving this. Like, God wants you to be yourself. Don't mimic the prayers of people who's not your cultural form. Oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you don't pray like that, now, if you pray like that, God bless you. And so as we talk about delighting in the Lord and meditating on his word day and night, we, 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 we want to make our lives always aware of not, not hyper-spiritual, not, 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 not hyper-spirituality. And we're going to talk about all that as we go through the series. And the last part of this that I'm going to deal with today, it says, and he's like a tree planted by the streams of water. It's interesting here that it says that they're planted by streams. Interesting. Now first, plant, being planted points to stability. Some of us need stability. And it says planted by streams is interesting. That this points to this tree must have a sophisticated root system. In other words, being planted by streams means that this tree has dug its roots into the ground, and every stream that has water, it's trying to connect a root to all of those streams. Y'all gonna get this in a second. See, notice it didn't say planted by a river, singular. It said streams pointing to the fact that this tree is trying to get connected to every resource available around it to grow. God has multiple means of grace for each one of us to grow in prayer, Bible study, meditation, contemplation, Sabbath. We're going to talk about that too. What is a Sabbath really? Faith, grace, mercy, community, service, evangelism. All of those are means of grace of getting and growing in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want us to do, what I believe God wants us to do as a church is to make sure that we're never in a place in life where we are not walking in biblical spiritual vitality and that we know how to skillfully use every means available by a relationship with Jesus Christ to be all that he wants us to be. That's going to be important, fam, that we are able to draw on 
everything and get the maximum amount of usage out of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we get in this series, I'm coming to a close. I can say more, but we're going to come to a close. But we, we don't want being on fire for God to be something for a new believer for a few months. God, God doesn't want you seasonally on fire. He says he's planted by the rivers of water, and he bears his fruit in his season. In other words, his leaf never withers. Leaves remaining on a tree point to the fact that it's always remaining healthy. Fruit being born in different seasons means there's fruit that identifies with the fact they are in a relationship with God, but that's removed and utilized for someone else to be nourished off of. And if you're not planted, you can't nourish anybody else. You can't make a disciple. You can't pour. You can't do it. So I'm praying that God in this season of Epiphany Fellowship will give us the grace to become a vital, spiritually, this in desperate love of Jesus. Not just seasonally, but all the time. And I pray that we get maximum uses, and I pray that during this series, if you're not hot for Jesus right now, you're going to get the hots for him pretty soon, and that he will light you on fire, light you on fire, light you on fire to blaze for his glory, and that it looks like something more than just talking smack. Because anybody can talk smack, but it's very few that can rigorously draw off the nutrients of our Lord. Father, we thank you for the season opener. The Lord God, as we get into this series on what it's going to mean to, to really develop a hotness for the Christ. You said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you ask what you want and it will be given to you. God, we want to... We wanna we don't want merely what you have. We want you. And so, God, as we go through this and we talk about, next week we're talking about waiting, contentment, and patience. How to wait on God. <laughs> That's a gift. To learn to wait. Some of us need to learn how to wait. We're so instant messenger in this context, Lord, in this society, that waiting has lost its meaning. And so, God... I pray that we would find new meaning to what it means to walk with Christ. And if someone's here and they don't know Christ, they're not in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would give them the grace to repent of their sin and turn to Jesus. Turn to him. Turn to him. Turn to him and trust him by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. And if you're here today and you want to trust that Christ we were talking about today, then there's some cards on the back table. We want you to fill those out, slip them in the box on the table in the lobby right up here on the second floor. Father, bless this time of communion. Help us to continue to feast and meditate off you in every area of our life. In Jesus, the Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's prepare our